This is the Passive Wealth Strategy Show, the show that will help you escape the Wall Street casino and build wealth on Main Street by investing in real estate. This is a show for high-earning, busy professionals where we will teach you how to build wealth with real estate without buying yourself another job. I'm your host, Taylor Lote, and today our guest is Jordan Berry. Jordan is a laundromat investor who started out investing in laundromats as a way to create financial freedom and independence for himself and his family, as a way to spend more time with his family doing the things that he loves. That first deal, though, did not turn out to be an overnight success. Turned out that he was losing $2,000 a month on his first deal. Pretty painful situation. But he didn't leave it there. He turned that deal around, turned it into a success, and has created financial independence through laundromat investing. Today, we're digging into what went wrong with that first deal, mistakes that he made, and how he has scaled up in the laundromat space. Once again, I'm your host, Taylor Lote. I'm a real estate investor and I focus on multifamily and self-storage investing. To date, I've acquired, partnered on, or otherwise had a hand in over $250 million of commercial real estate acquisitions. If you'd like to learn more about potentially partnering with us on a future deal, just go to investwithtaylor.com, fill out the form, schedule a call, and I'll look forward to speaking with you soon. Don't forget to subscribe and catch us here every weekday. Once again, our guest today is Jordan Berry. We're talking all about laundromats. Let's go. Jordan, thanks so much for joining us today. I'm excited to dive into the exciting world of laundromat investing. But before we dig into the nitty gritty of how the business works, can you tell us a bit about yourself and how you got started in the business? Yeah, absolutely. Well, thanks. First of all, thanks for having me on. Uh, huge honor, huge pleasure. And man, the world of laundromats is exciting. <laughs> so I'm excited to talk about it. Uh, not really. It's in that boring business category, uh, but I get excited about it. Uh, yeah, but a bit about background on me is I actually was a pastor for 15-ish years. Sort of the end of that tenure, had a couple of young kids and my wife, and we're just trying to find more family time. Uh, and and not just the time, but you know, doing ministry as a job can be very like uh, energy sucking, also, and also little kids can be very energy sucking. Um, and so, uh, had to choose kind of which vampire to go with, right? And so, <laughs> was looking for ways to uh, just have more time with the family and just change a pace for us. So, naturally, the natural transition from working as a pastor. Uh, and, and doing something different is to go into laundromats. So that's essentially the, uh, the, the high level picture of what happened there. But yeah, no, pastor, I've got two kids. I'm in Southern California here and uh, I'm in the laundromat space now, which is a weird little turn of events for life. Great. And teaching people, other people how to do it. So tell us about that first laundromat deal that you did and you know, how many you've, you've done up to today. Yeah. So I've done, uh, I've only done three total, uh, as of right now, uh, the first one, uh, you know, so, so when we decided to buy this laundromat, uh, you know, the goal behind it, this was before we really knew anything about investing, real estate, investing businesses. We didn't know anything about business. Um, hadn't read rich dad, poor dad yet or anything. Uh, and, but the, the goal was still, you know, income coming in without, uh, a lot of time, basically not tied to our time uh, investment of it. And that was uh, that was the goal. 
And when we bought our first laundromat, it did not go according to plan. Uh, we made nearly every mistake in the book. And, you know, it went from, hey, we're going to spend a little bit of time making, you know, decent amount of money. I think the, the, the broker's pro forma was somewhere like around five to $6,000 a month of net is what we we're supposed to make on this one little laundromat. And it went from expecting that to actually losing a couple thousand bucks a month for a while, for a couple of years almost. And so it went from this dream of, you know, passive income to, I mean, for a while there, it was a nightmare of I was spending a whole lot of time. And not only was I not making any passive income or income at all, I was losing money. Not a, not a great start to an interview on a passive income podcast <laughs> here because uh, it did not turn out that way for me. But I still uh, believe in that dream and I still believe laundromats uh, can and do provide that uh, for a lot of people. It just the way that I did it and the one that I bought was not the one for that dream for me. <laughs> That's actually great to hear because I think a lot of folks, when they get into real estate investing or entrepreneurship and they look at those who have already been successful, can be tempted to assume that it was all smooth sailing for those who went before. And I'm the first one to run into all these unprofitable deals, or I'm the first one to have issues in an investment deal. But you went through that. When you're in that position with an investment that's losing a pretty significant amount of money, particularly in the case where, you know, my understanding is pastors don't really make a ton of money. So it was quite a lot to be losing every month for you, I would assume. What did it feel like? What did you do to you know, get yourself out of it and turn it around? Yeah. Well, I had already quit my pastor job. So not only do pastors not make a whole lot of money, unemployed pastors make even less yes. money. <laughs> so no, it was brutal, man. I mean, listen, it was, I'm not going to sugarcoat it. This was like a pretty stressful time to be losing money and not having any coming in. Uh, my wife was, uh, she was a teacher and then she was stay at home mom with our, our young kids. She actually went back to teaching. I went and picked up a job at marketing at one point for, I don't know, like a year or so just to kind of help float things while I was trying to figure out what was going on. It was super financially stressful. And, you know, probably most of us know that when life is stressful financially, it strains your relationships too. Right. And so it just kind of compounds on itself. So it was just a really rough, uh, a rough time. And I, you know, I desperately was seeking, uh, you know, how do, how do I get out of the situation? Right. And there's this, uh, there's this stat that floats around about laundromats I, to this day. I don't know where it comes from exactly but you know the stat basically says 95% of all laundromats are successful right and so i could not for the life of me figure out how i wound up in the 5% that <laughs> could not figure this simple business out that's supposed to be easy all i was supposed to be doing was collecting quarters once a week and the rest of the week i could spend swimming through them in my vault like Scrooge McDuck right <laughs> and and it wasn't happening that way and i couldn't figure out why and i didn't know where to turn you know, to, to figure it out. There just, this was like a decade ago and there really just wasn't that much information out there. Um, so it was, uh, it was just a, it was a rough, a rough time, but in order to float it, I worked a lot of hours at that laundromat personally, which was not the intended goal. And I had to do a marketing job. My wife went back to teaching, you know, for a while to, to kind of help float us at the time. So that was like, 
a double punch in the gut because not only were we losing money, but it was actually costing us time too, which is what we were trying to free up. So doing a bad deal, you know, unfortunate, but sometimes we all make these decisions, especially early on. Now, oftentimes those are the times when we have less to lose. So get the bad deals out of the way early, I suppose. But okay, got the job, you're floating along, but it's very difficult, very stressful time. What do you do to get out of that and get yourself to where you are today? You know, turn it around. Did you sell that laundromat or were you able to to reposition it and get it cash flowing? Yeah. So I did end up finally repositioning it or it just took a lot of time, right? One thing I learned was it was it was much easier and faster to rehab the laundromat than it was to rehab the reputation of that laundromat. And so a big part of turning it around was just waiting for the people who had all the bad associations of that laundromat to move and new people to come in. Because I didn't do what happens. I got really scared because uh, I was losing money and I was too scared to put marketing dollars out more money on the table to, to get people into the laundromat. And I just turtled up and it was the, it was the wrong move. It was the wrong thing to do, but I don't necessarily blame myself because it was just tough, right? I, we were losing money. So, um, and I didn't know if it was going to work, um, you know, to, to do marketing. So, uh, so, but yes, eventually, you know, through some turnover, through continuing to upkeep the laundromat and make sure it's in good shape and to keep the people who are not supposed to be there out, of it. And, you know, all the little things that you got to do consistently over time, uh, business did, uh, eventually grow. I only just recently sold that particular laundromat, uh, just this last year. Uh, but yeah, I, so I eventually did kind of figure it out there. Uh, but it was a, it was a hard fought battle, man. So what did that look like in the turnaround process in terms of the, looking at the actual books, did you just gradually start to see the income going up? Was it fewer broken machines that you were spending money on and, and less maintenance generally? Like what was the, you know, the financial change there? Was it all upside on the income or reducing the expenses? Right at the beginning, I put in mostly new equipment, almost not, not all new equipment, but mostly new equipment. And actually that did uh, double, double the business pretty quickly. Uh, which sounds really awesome, but uh, you know, one of my big mistakes was relying solely on the broker, uh, and that broker just turned out to not have my best interests in mind. And so, uh, he, he one of the things he told me was, "We don't really need to do any due diligence because we're going to put new machines in here, and so the current numbers don't really matter. It's not being run well. The current numbers don't really matter." Well, instead of it basically breaking even, which is what I was told, it was actually losing thousands of dollars every month. And so doubling business was great, but it still left me in the hole a couple thousand dollars a month. Um, so that, but that did help boost income. And it also reduced some of my expenses in, uh, in the sense that, uh, you know, the, the new machines were much more uh, efficient with utilities and things like that. So it reduced those costs. Um, but when I bought that deal, also I had to sign a brand new lease. And so with that lease, you know, was an increase in, in the lease costs there for the business. So there's a whole bunch of like lessons balled up in there for me. Um, but after business doubled, then we just started seeing a slow increase in 
uh, in business uh, and income coming in. Uh, expenses stayed relatively the same. The only sort of variable expenses are the utilities. So turn the deal around. You no longer have it today, but it sounds like you did hold it a while. You've done mm-hmm. subsequent deals. Now you're teaching others how to invest in laundromats and, and how to be successful. But to put some brackets around it and really understand what it takes to reach financial freedom through investing in laundromats, what does it take? Is it one, is it five, 10, 15, 20, or just a couple of them? Yeah. So I'd say more than 99% of America can replace their nine to five income with one to three laundromats, kind of depending on the size and how the business is run. Plenty of people retire off of one. I have the, the, the family friend who sort of introduced us to the concept of buying a laundromat replaced his 80 hour a week, six figure tech you know, job up in the San Francisco Bay area, uh, with one laundromat. And so that's what, that's what hooked us. It did not work out like that for us, but that's what hooked us, uh, on the idea there. Right. So it can take, you know, one to three laundromats and you are financially free. Great. Okay. So that does then beg the question, I think, what does it take to acquire that one to three laundromats? Because you could in principle, if you just had enough cash sitting in a bank account, you could live on the interest and then you're financially free, but you had the capital in the first place. So you didn't really have a huge problem in that sense. But the goal here is to create that passive cash flow and financial freedom, even though you might not necessarily have that big pile of cash that you could live on in the first place, right? So what does it take to get those first one to three? So, uh, you know, one of the things that's great about laundromats is, you know, especially if your goal is to leave your nine to five or financial freedom is your goal. Like I, I, I'm a real estate investor. I love real estate. It's probably like actually my first love in terms of investment vehicles, even more so than laundromats. Uh, however, one thing that I often say is the average, real estate deal can't touch the average laundromat deal when it comes to cash flow. And the reason for that is because laundromats, uh, you know, well, typical real estate deal and, you know, you can get, you can do better than this, but the sort of typical person can get maybe what eight to 10% return on your money, cash on cash return. Um, but the average sort of base hit laundromat, you're looking at a 20 to 25% return on your money. And that's unleveraged. So once you apply a loan to that, those numbers can go up from there. So one of the things I really recommend is if your number one goal is to leave your nine to five or to you know achieve that financial freedom, actually, you know, despite loving real estate and being a real estate investor myself, I actually think you should consider something like a laundromat that's gonna take let a, a little bit of time. It's not totally passive right? It's a business. There's people, there's machines that break all that stuff, right? So it is going to take probably five to 10 hours a week. However, that gives you a whole lot of time there with the rest of the time that you would be working uh, to be able to go out and find more deals or to invest in that real estate, which can grow into generational wealth and build your equity and all that stuff. Um, You know, that cash flow, you can actually get that freedom a lot quicker. uh, As you can see with 20 to 25 plus percent return on your money, than that eight to 10% that a lot of real estate investors are getting. When I think about, okay, if I were to go down the road of buying a, a laundromat, first I need to think about, 
okay, where am I going to look to buy a deal? Is it going to be within a 10 to 20 mile radius of my house so I can get there reasonably? Or is this a business that I can buy much more remotely and not have to sweat it? And then going further, once I pick a location, whether it's near me or remotely, how do I start to build deal flow so that I have options to consider? So can we tackle those two questions? Yeah. So so the the common uh, advice, and I think it's good advice, the common advice is, hey, look 30 to 45 minutes from your house and in for that first deal, especially. Um, now, and the reason for that is because it is a business, right? Somebody's got to run your business. If it's not going to be you, you probably don't want it to be like a minimum wage attendant who's solely responsible for taking care of your business, right? So unless you're buying a bigger deal, you know, that's netting enough to where you can hire that sort of next tier manager type of person, then you probably want it to be close or you want to have a, a solid partner that's a boots on the ground partner uh, in that deal. Um, so generally 30 to 45 minute radius is sort of the recommended. Uh, however, with, you know, new technology that's coming out and, uh, you know, we've been like a dinosaur forever in the last, like maybe two years, we're finally starting to adopt some new technology, digital payment systems, softwares to help us manage our, our stores, things like that. It's opening up the option to push out further into new markets and to be able to manage those a little bit more remotely, but you still got to have somebody on the ground helping you with when problems come up and, you know, with the stuff that inevitably happens when you're running a business, right? So you can run them remotely and there's more people doing that. Still not a lot, but there's more people doing that than there ever has been, I think. Um, but generally speaking, you're looking 30 to 45 minutes away. Okay. And so moving on to building deal flow, whether it's near us or remotely, you know, we're, we're all familiar with say Zillow and Redfin, where we can at least look at the MLS and the deals that are publicly on the market, commercial real estate. Of course, we have Crexy and LoopNet, although those are where deals go to die. You're not finding the best deals there, but in the laundromat space, I mean, you bought your first deal off a broker, but sounds like you burned you pretty good. Uh, so where are you yeah. building, you know, deal flow so you have reliable opportunities? Yeah, great question. And, you know, so there are listing sites. I mean, you can find laundromats on LoopNet. Uh, there are, there's like all the biz sites like biz bin, biz buy, sell, biz, whatever. They're all biz something. Uh, and you can find them. But I mean, I think the, the narrative's the same, right? These are not the best deals that are out there. And, you know, the reason for that is that, Number one, a lot of the deals that go through brokers, like I'm a broker here in California for laundromat. So if somebody brings me a deal that says, Hey, Jordan, I want to sell my laundromat. I say, okay, let's put together this packet of information. I take that packet of information and I send it out to my investor list that I already have built of people who are looking to buy laundromats. I know they can close on a deal and I know they know the business already. They've done the research or they own laundromats or whatever. Um, and I'm, I'm likely to find a buyer there and it never ends up online, right? Um, and only if all my investors pass on that deal, that's when it's ending up online a lot of times. So that is not always the case. Um, but a lot of times that's the case. So number one is building relationships with 
either laundromat specific brokers, if you have them in your, in your metropolitan area or just whatever area you're in, um, and or small business brokers. So building relationships with them and getting on their investor list. You see those deals before LoopNet and all the biz sites see them. And then similar to real estate, I mean, it's, you know, direct mail marketing. It works really well with laundromats. Uh, a lot of my consulting clients are using direct mail marketing and, ha- and finding good results right now. Um, and then similar to door knocking in real estate too, is showing up at laundromats and trying to catch owners or managers uh, at the laundromats and just asking them, you're starting to build that relationship, build that rapport, ask them if they're interested in selling or if they know anybody who is, or keep, keep me in mind if you decide you want to sell and trying to catch, catch those deals off market. So in the context where you're going direct to seller, what are the most common pain points that a seller or potential seller might be experiencing that you could expect? I mean, they're all the classic pain points with distressed real estate owners. So is it the same with laundromat owners that they might want to sell or are there other pain points that might be involved? Well, it depends on whose perspective you're at. Listen, everybody's retiring when they're getting sure. out of this business. Everybody, I mean, it doesn't matter really what the reason is. They're all retiring or they have other business interests. Like that's, those are the two big reasons why people will want to sell, right? At least that's why they say so. But the pain points, you know, usually are either they already are, they, they really are retiring. We have a lot of older owners in our industry. So they're retiring or they have health issues or they want to spend more time with family, stuff like that. Those can be great candidates for like seller financing deals sometimes, uh, you know, things like that. Um, or, you know, uh, the business isn't performing well. And so, you know, they just want to get out of it. They just want to dump it. And or, uh, you know, they get into it being sold that dream that I was sold, which is I'm going to buy this business and have to do nothing. It's, it's p- totally passive. I just have to come for like, half an hour a week and collect quarters and, and that's it. It just runs itself. And then they realize it's actually a little bit more work than that. And it's not really what they bargained for. And so they want out of it. Um, so those are a lot of the, the pain points. Uh, aging equipment is another one where they just don't want to make the investment of putting in new equipment because equipment's not cheap. Uh, so those are some of the main pain points you'll start to see as you talk to owners. Okay. From the investor's perspective, we haven't touched on depreciation too much, but since these are all washing machines and, and dryers and you know sundries related to that, I would imagine most of the equipment that you buy depreciates really quickly, which from a tax standpoint can be highly advantageous, but I figured I'd at least bring that up and ask about it. Yeah. Yeah. And I'll, I mean, I'll caveat this by saying I'm not a tax professional and I hire one because I don't want to be a tax professional. <laughs> uh, but yeah, absolutely. I mean, I love, I mean, real estate is great for a lot of reasons. The tax reasons being one, the depreciation you can get. Laundromats are great because you do get to depreciate all those machines. You can do essentially something similar to a cost segregation study with laundromats where you can depreciate all kinds of stuff, including, you know, some of the, uh, like folding tables and your boiler and, you know, some of that stuff besides the washers and dryers. So you can do something similar there with that. And then all, you know, also you get the tax benefits of running some of the expenses that you have through the business, you know, pre-tax, uh, cause that's a benefit of owning a business, right? So you can maybe write off part of your cell phone bill, or if you have a home office, you can write off part of that, you know, there's things that you can do, you know, tax wise, 
with the business, you know, similar to other businesses with the laundromat too. So you kind of get both sides of that with laundromats. Okay, cool. So we've touched a bit on the time commitment and the sense in which this is not a hundred percent passive, but if you do it right, you can hire people and, you know, not be there all the time, which is of course the goal. What would you say a very well-run laundromat requires in terms of an hourly commitment per week or per month? Is this a four-hour work week type of situation if done right, more or less? What do you think? Yeah, I'm, I'd say, uh, you know, a caveat with it, it depends. Like you can actually run this, but it's surprising me this uh, business is very simple, but you can run it a whole lot of different ways, right? And right now, booming in the laundromat industry is more the service side, Right now, it's really taken off. So like pickup and delivery laundry or drop off laundry service, uh, which you can run. But if you have that, that's a little bit different question than if you just have a self-serve laundry, right? Um, with that said, I mean, I think early on, you know, maybe your first month or two, plan on spending somewhere between 10 and 20 hours a week, just getting to know the business, training your employees, you know, familiarizing yourself. After that, as long as things are sort of running pretty smoothly. I mean, I think you're looking at maybe five to seven hours a week, you know, give or take. I think, you know, it, you're going to have a hard time spending more time than that at most laundromats, unless your goal is to just kind of sit there and smile at customers, which some people do is kind of the old school model, not really the ambition of most people getting in the business these days. Um, so yeah, I'd say five to seven hours, you know, and that, that includes, you know, checking in with employees that includes collecting the money that includes, you know, troubleshooting, you know, things in the business or, and, or like scheduling, uh, repairs for your machine, stuff like that. Um, so it's a really small, you know, I, I like to see passive versus active as a sort of continuum. And it leans pretty heavily towards the passive. It's not a passive business by any means. And I don't want to insinuate that it is, but it does lean pretty heavily on that side, especially compared with other businesses. Hmm, okay. Yeah. I mean, buying or starting an operating business in, in some ways, you know, I think there are a lot of people out there that are pitching startups, particularly like Amazon FBA businesses as you buy it, we'll set it up and then you do nothing and you're going to make oodles and oodles of money. And it turns out that is pretty much never the case. They end up either being a lot of work or horribly unprofitable. So it's important to be realistic with the amount of time commitment required with an operating business. And I appreciate uh, that you're willing to be that transparent. Right now, we're going to take a quick break for our sponsor. Did you know that you can use your IRA to invest in real estate? Many real estate investors, myself included, use our self-directed retirement accounts to invest our retirement in real estate. You just need a custodian that allows you to self-direct your investments. That's why we've partnered with Rocket Dollar. Rocket Dollar is a technology-enabled, self-directed IRA and solo 401k provider that puts your retirement funds in your control. Our listeners can open a Rocket Dollar self-directed IRA for as little as $15 per month, plus a one-time setup fee. Just go to PassiveWealthStrategy.com slash Rocket or click the link in the show notes. They have a fantastic knowledge base 
and a lot of guides to help you through the process and teach you all about how self-directed retirement account investing works. Once again, just go to PassiveWealthStrategy.com slash rocket or click the link in the show notes. All right, Jordan, I've got three questions I ask every guest on the show. Are you ready? I'm ready. First one, what is the best deal you've ever done or the best investment you've ever made other than in your education? Uh, yeah, so I bought a laundromat. I actually had a, a different broker uh, bring me a deal, off-market deal uh, before it hit those biz sites. And uh, it was a, uh, a deal here in Los Angeles that was a laundromat plus the real estate, the commercial real estate with it. Um, and it was an off-market deal and it was also a seller financing deal. So I ended up buying that one for uh, a total of... 750,000. So I ended up paying the way we broke it down was 200 for the laundromat and 550 for the property. And I put hundred down on the laundromat and 50 down on the property. Um, and it ended up being such a great deal because of the power of combining real estate and the business, right? So I was able to benefit from the cash flow of the business and the way that I set it up was I had two entities, one with the laundromat, one with the, the real estate. And I set up a, a lease between the two. And you can, you can force a lot of appreciation uh, in your property by you know, setting up a lease that's a top of the market lease, as long as the laundromat can support it. It's a top of the market uh, rent amount um, and setting up as a triple net lease uh, so that that business is actually paying all the expenses to your property and you're going to lose a little bit of equity, a little bit of value in your laundromat because your net operating income is going to go down. However, real estate, especially commercial real estate is going to appreciate much quicker than a, uh, than a laundromat is going to depreciate. Um, and so you actually force a lot of equity just by shifting cash flow from one entity to the other. So that turned out to be a really great uh, deal where I was able to add multiple hundreds of thousands of dollars of equity into that property just, you know, simply by doing that. Cool. Nice. So we have the best. Now we go to the other side of the coin, the worst. We might already know the answer to this one, but we're going to ask anyway, what is the worst deal you've ever done or the worst investment you've ever made? Yeah. So yeah, for sure. That, that first laundromat that I bought was the worst, uh, worst deal I've ever done. And, uh, like I said, it was painful. And just to kind of break that deal down for you, I ended up paying all cash. That's what we, it was what we call in the business a zombie mat, which is essentially a, a fixer upper. Uh, and so I paid 60,000, I think cash for that 65, something like that, uh, cash for it. And, uh, then I, uh, finance hundred percent finance, which is one perk of owning a laundromat too, is you can hundred percent finance equipment a lot of times. Uh, so I 100% financed, I think, $130,000 worth of equipment, uh, which is in, in today's equipment terms, a very low number. <laughs> uh, I'd be spending probably at least double that today on that same equipment. But 100% um, financed that deal. Um, but in despite it doubling, still was in the negative for many, many years. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, that's rough, but you made it out. I'm Survived. glad you did. Yes, did. exactly. <laughs> My favorite question here at the end of the show is what is the most important lesson you've learned in business and investing? 
Yeah. You know, if I had to choose one, I, I would say this is I am sort of naturally a lone wolf kind of guy. Um, and I am really actively proactively trying to break that instinct because I just, I I'm done learning lessons the, the hard way whenever I can possibly avoid it. Right. And so whenever it comes to, you know, doing a deal, uh, whether it's, you know, in laundromat or real estate or whatever it is, another business, uh, I will not do that deal on my own ever again. I will have somebody in my corner who understands the deal, who is where I'm trying to get to, that's going to help me. Um, or I'll invest with, you know, somebody who already knows what they're doing and I'll just be, you know, a limited partner on a deal like that. Um, and you know, don't, don't go it alone right? Like that you're going to learn a lot of hard lessons that way. And you can learn those lessons a lot easier by learning them from somebody else who's already been there and done that and learned them the hard way uh, before. Shortcut that process for sure. 100% agreed there. And sometimes we need to learn a couple of tough lessons until we're willing to uh, utilize the experiences of others. And Jordan, I want to thank you so much for joining us today and sharing many of your experiences. If folks want to get in touch or if they want to learn more where can they track you down? Where can they find your course? Yeah. So uh, laundromatresource.com is the platform. The Laundromat Resource podcast is out there. Uh, if you're into podcasts, which you probably are because you're on this one. Uh, and uh, so go check that out. I interview laundromat owners and other industry professionals about their experience and lessons they've learned. So you, another way to shortcut your learning uh, process. And, uh, you know, I'll, I'll set you guys up. If you go to laundromatresource.com slash Taylor, uh, then I, you can check out the course there and I'll put some other uh, resources there for you in case you're interested in laundromats. Awesome. Well, thank you once again for joining us today. To everybody out there, thank you for tuning in. If you're enjoying the show, please take a moment and leave us a rating and review on Apple Podcasts. Don't forget to subscribe and catch us here every weekday. Right now, I hope you have a great rest of your day and we'll talk to you on the next one.